welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Lord, thank you for Chris and Carly, and I want to pray that as they come to us, they wouldn't feel any pressure of time whatsoever, but actually they would know your blessing in what they're going to speak. And Lord, I pray that as they speak, we would be really blessed and we would understand so much more about you as a result of what they've got to bring to us this morning. Amen. It's funny because I was sitting there literally crossing things out of my talk because everything that's gone before has been brilliant. And I could actually listen to stories like that all day. It's amazing, really amazing. But, comma, but we have things we want to share with you and really excited about. It's hot in here. I know that. If you start to nod off, I won't take it personally. Um, <laughs> it's really hard when it's warm. We understand. Um, I am going to pray just really, 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 really quickly. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. We don't take it for granted. We, we run up here with excitement, but Lord, I, I really, really feel like there's a moment of just pause and settle, and then we can move on. Father, I pray you speak to us. I pray we'd hear you, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to double act, Chris and I, um, because he's got something really exciting to share with you. And we're going to talk to you about prayer, and in particular about our position um, of authority and intimacy. And if um, they're the two words you remember as you leave this morning, I want you to remember that we pray with authority and with intimacy with God. I've spoken to um, to you all about evangelism before, and when I was thinking about this morning, I thought it's a similar feel you can get when someone stands up and says, I'm going to talk about prayer. You can almost have a sort of a, oh, here we go. Here we go again. We've had a series on prayer and I would just love you to try and shake off any sense of I've heard this before. Here we are again. Um, I've heard about prayer and it's not really uh, for me. Um, I want you just to try and make sure you push out that guilt that says I'm rubbish at prayer and try and wake up yourself to hearing that there might be something new for you this morning. Because I want to really encourage you to draw closer to God, to hear his heartbeat, and we can look forward together. This morning I've had a picture of me just sitting on Father God's lap. And that's how I want us to sort of imagine we're sitting as we're listening this morning. Now last week, Phil encouraged us to pray faithfully, decisively, forcefully, lovingly. Can you remember these, Phil? Truthfully earnestly and authoritatively and that is the place where Chris and I are going to pick up from this morning. I have to tell you straight away that I am not a prayer warrior. I'm not a fantastic interceder. I'm not an amazing early prayer riser. I'm not a quiet time seeker. I'm not a patient prayer and I'm not a dependent on father in a crisis prayer either. I'm not standing here as someone who knows what they're talking about completely. I've tried prayer journals. I've tried prayer partners. I've tried prayer lists. And I found them quite difficult to sustain. The truth is, I'm a chatter. I'm an arrow prayer prayer. I'm a pray in the middle of conversation prayer. And I'm okay with that. Because that's me. And I've come to that position. It's much more me 
to pray like that. I know who I am and I know who I belong to. These are all important things when I talk to Father God is that I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I'm clear about my position in Jesus, my position as a daughter of the King. That affects how I pray because I'm secure in that truth and I know how much I'm loved. I also understand that if God the Father would send Jesus to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him, then of course he would enjoy conversation with me. Time, the backwards and forwards nature of that friend relationship. We talk to him and he talks to us. I know he's not Father Christmas. I know that we don't have a magic wand that prayers aren't wishes. I know that talking to God is not like trying to strike up a conversation with someone who's really socially awkward when you're trying to talk and they're not really responding to you like pulling teeth. It can feel like that, but it's not like that when we pray. When we pray, it can be really confusing if situations don't work out how we need them to or want them to or hope they might. And I understand the power of frustration and disappointment. And there is mystery involved. So when Phil asked me to pick a week, a topic from his list, um, I saw an opportunity really for Chris to tell his story. Because Chris has been on a journey with God over the last few years, just discovering a whole new level of understanding about his position of authority and intimacy in his prayer life. And it's affected mine. I'm still, I'm me. I'm very much me, but he's... His understanding has been dripping into mine. Chris has always loved prayer. He's always known that prayer changes things and that to pray is fundamental to our relationship with God the Father. But something has definitely shifted and stories are powerful. People's journeys are really, really powerful when they can explain them to you clearly. And so I wanted Chris to have a chance to say it. He's, in, he's really understood so much more deeply his position in God. Not just who he is in God, but who he is with God. So Chris's revelations and understanding have come from a huge range of things, really. Um, combination of scripture and revelation from God and other people's experiences. And it's been a long journey. And he still hasn't reached his destination. And part of his reaching his destination, I think, is sharing it with you this morning. Now, if you're in our group, if you've been in our group for the last three or four years, you'll have heard lots of this before. Uh, And you've been part of his journey of understanding because he's an external processor. And so it's helped him to understand. So um, do you want to come up? And this is part of us growing in faith. Uh, with each other and with Chris. So, over to you. Morning, everyone. Morning. Yeah, if you've been in a, in Bakewell group, you'll have been bored witless when I go on about, this is not right, is it? About being on the 41st floor. Bearing in mind everything that's happened this week, it's, it's coincidental and uh, obviously we really do feel for the horrendous things that have happened in London. Where, let's, let's look where I started. I started, I was, I was reading the book of Ephesians one day, just reading it. And in my mind's eye, I began to have a drama that, that began to be acted out. 
I began to, to read the words and they, they jumped out at me. And, and, and perhaps, I know it's easy, sometimes we, we can stand here and we talk and talk and talk and talk. I could be quite pictorial. So what I've tried to do is, is include some images of the sorts of things that were going on in my mind. Not everything because you couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's before the watershed. But it, for me, the, the, the sorts of images, the, the impressions that were, were coming up, it starts when we get to the second chapter of Ephesians. And, and you start to see where we were. For me, just, I've tried to highlight some of the phrases. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. It's a pretty sorry tale. It's a pretty sorry place. And frankly, I was there. Um, and, and I'm going to tell you, you were there as well. Uh, and, and that, for us, is, is the challenge. What then... I mean, I began to think about sin. There's a, there's a phrase in, in Romans 7 which talks about how sin is utterly sinful. When you look at sin, when, when you see, which seemingly, all oh, this is fun, this is titillating, but when you see how destructive it is, how destructive it is to you, to your family, to your community, to your nation, where you begin to realize how sin is the antithesis of who we are, of who we are. So I saw, next slide, I began to see all these, these images. And, I began, and, and in my mind's eye, I saw us living on the streets. I saw me living on the streets. And began to think, what is it when you live on the streets? What's it like living on the streets? You might be uh, scared. That's where I would be, utterly scared. It might be that you get tough. And you start, and you have to be tough. You have to know how to fight. You have to know how to keep your corner. It, loneliness. And I, and I think that if you, certainly, I wasn't lonely before I was a, a Christian, but I was a loner. And um, the, these images of being beaten up. With gangs, there's one down the bottom right-hand corner there. I remember being in Brighton when I was in my early teens, and about 80 mods came running down the street, and they went past me like that. Uh, didn't touch me. Actually, I was more scared for my parents because my my dad with his hat on. He was, but it was was. I remember the fear I felt and. And what I'm trying to get to is you, you start sort of looking at how, how were we? How were we before we were in Jesus, before we were in Christ? What, what, what perhaps does it feel like? Maybe we've, a lot of us have forgotten what it feels like. But the next, the next slide, I then saw what it was at night. Where did you sleep? And I began to think, you see people, and they sleep by doorways, don't they? They sleep right, right next to shops because they need some, some warmth. And I saw myself sleeping next to a very tall building. 
and looking for some comfort. You, you're surrounded, you're, you're protected on some of those sides, and, and, and that's the sort of feeling. You need to have some form of protection. Someone there. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's one of, of fear. And then, the, the, again, the next slide. As, as we carry on into Ephesians, but God. How many preachers have we heard? How many of the most famous preachers have, have we heard or, or know of which start with but God? There is a turning point. Um, and for me, this was the beginning of the turning point. Being rich, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trans- tra- trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And we begin to see God breaking into our lives. We begin to see, at first, mercy. Mercy means you don't get what you deserve. You deserve punishment. You deserve death. Jill always loved Jill Harpash because she's always going, you deserve death. And that is where we were. We deserve death. But God brings in his mercy. And then he brings in his grace. And his grace is so much more. And I see it, the next one. I, I, I then saw... At that building, the, the building where I was sleeping at, the door's opening. And I get brought in. And I get brought into this amazing, there's the building, or an image of the, of the building, get made, brought into this uh, amazing entrance. And I stink, I smell, I, I look terrible. But I'm brought in and I'm taken to a room and I'm cleaned. I'm washed. My hair's cut. And... My wounds are bound. And then I get a suit is put on me, an amazing uh, Italian silk. I, can't, I, could, I tried to sort of look. I used to work in London, and, I, and 50 yards up the road was, road was Savile Row. And Savile Row, you get the, the handmade suits, and they're thousands. They're, they're thousands of pounds. And, and just to have the image, the impression that I was taken off the streets that I'm washed, I'm cleaned, I'm made new, and then I'm dressed, and I look so good. I mean, imagine James Bond and double it. <laughs> and, and, and again, you, you think about the fragrance. I, I quite like aftershave. I don't wear it enough. But imagine wearing really expensive aftershave. If you're, if you're for the women here, imagine you've been dressed in the most beautiful dress with diamonds and with, uh, again, expensive perfume, the way it makes you feel. For me, this is, this is a, a turning card. This is the but God. But God comes in. God changes us and he makes us clean. And, he, and by grace, we have been made clean. We've been made to look amazing. Sorry, I'm looking at myself. Not that amazing, really. But I'm, I'm, I'm made to look amazing. And um, turn my page. These are the robes of righteousness. The next image I saw was of a lift, an elevator, if you're American, and being taken into an elevator and all these buttons. You, 
Remember that scene from Elf where there's all those buttons on the lift and it goes like that. The top button. I see the top one press. And uh, it's the 41st floor. I don't know why it was the 41st floor. Don't ask. There wasn't anything specific about it, but I just knew it was the 41st floor. And the lift just going up and 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 up. And then the next one, please. I see how, again, scripture and how God, he raised this up with him and seated us with him. My, I don't have glasses. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I could have stopped it there, but I just felt it was right to carry on. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in, in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And there's phrases in there about being uh, immeasurable riches, immeasurable grace, being given to us far more than I, far more than you deserve. How we are seated with Christ. I, I, that, that's, if you're going to take away authority and intimacy, take that one away. Seated with Christ. That's where, my, for me, my starting point of prayer comes in, being seated with Christ. That is your position. That is your position. It changes everything when you get that. When you begin to understand, I am seated with Christ. It stops your prayers being little and it starts allowing them to be big. That is my journey. So we get to the top and we get welcomed into the penthouse. Uh, I couldn't find anywhere opulent enough but the feeling of a penthouse, the feeling at the top where everything is uh, completely over the top, completely opulent. And I'm welcomed in and I'm told this is home. This is your home now. This is where you live. And I, 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 the image carries on. Sit down, order anything, have some, order something to eat. And I sort of got the impression, all right, I lift up the phone. Can I have a, a ham salad sandwich, please? And the first image you, you might get is a co-op sandwich or something that's a little bit dry, a little bit turned up at the edges. But in comes a feast. In comes, sorry, I know you used to work for co-op. <laughs> in comes a feast, much more than you could ask or imagine. And, and you begin to, to get the sense, well, I don't deserve this. I really don't deserve this. And, and you begin to look and think, well, look, I'm really appreciative of what you've done. You've brought me here. You've, you've, you've cleaned me up. You've put a new suit on me. But I don't deserve to be here. I, well, I, I'm, I'm just going to go down to the 11th floor. And uh, that's probably where I deserve to be. I deserve to be on the 11th floor. I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm cleaned. Uh, but I, don't, I really don't deserve all of this. And, uh, and, and you look around and you think, well, look, there's other people here. Well, uh, the, the, yeah, they're much better than me. 
they deserve to be on the, on the 35th floor. Elders here, they deserve to be perhaps on the 40th floor. They're better than me. They're holier than me. And, and I think the, 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 here's something, here's a stopping point where I th- is a, could be a stumbling block to, to people here is they look at others and they think they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be at the top. They don't deserve to be blessed, to have this opulence poured out upon you. No, you don't. I don't. That, that's the point of grace. We don't deserve it. And so you start putting yourself down. And that affects your prayers. You start, you start thinking, well... My prayers are not going to be, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for something, but they're really not going to be powerful. They're not going to be effective. If I want prayer, I'm going to, I'm going to go to these guys and, and, and they're going to pray because their prayers carry more weight. It's a lie. It's a deceit. It says in, in the next slide, even as he chose us in, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Do you feel holy and blameless? Because that is your position. Holy and blameless. For me, that's, that is an amazing position to be. It says I don't deserve to be on the 41st floor. I don't deserve to be up there. But I am made holy and blameless by my Savior. I can be there. I can be in the presence. That is grace. That's amazing grace. So, so you're there. So you're told you're living now on the 41st floor. What does that mean? What does that mean when you're in his presence? When you're at, when you're at the top, when you're with the Father and he's loving on you, what does that give you? I warned you about this, Den. If you put the next slide up. I love this man. I love this man. Den is, our, is a, a wonderful policeman. And beside of him, I put a badge. It's, I'm sure it's not from your force. Metropolitan, no. You were there, though. You were in the Met. I, it's, I, saw, I see authority. I see if you're on the 41st floor, he said, the father says, Right, you get to ask. You get to use that authority to request things, whether that's for healing or a family member to be healed, whether that is for your school, whether that... I, I think of all sorts of things. I sometimes they go really big, and, and they need to be really big requests. But sometimes they can be, it's all right to be really small. I pray for my boss or I pray for um, my family. It's okay to do that. It's right to do that. But this authority. See, Den's been given authority by the crown. The crown have given him authority. Every time he sees someone speeding or he sees someone doing something completely wrong, he doesn't have to go back to the queen every time. He doesn't have to go back and say, look, this person's doing this. What would you like me to do? Would you like me to get them? Then has been designated authority by the crown. <clears throat> we have been designated authority by the crown. 
we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Right at the beginning of time, right at the beginning of scripture, God said to Adam, you go name the animals. You go subdue the land. Authority designated to man at that point. Adam gave that authority away. But we have been given through the cross, through Jesus, we have been given that authority, that, that, that position. And when Jesus sent out the disciples, he said, you go out, you heal the sick, you, you heal the blind, give them sight, heal the deaf. See, see the, those who can't speak, speak again. Authority given out. Do you think we haven't been given that authority? Do you think, well, again, it's, it's other people to do. It's the few miraculous people we see. They, they've got, they work in signs and wonders, uh, and, and we don't have that. We do. We have authority to pray for people who are sick. We have people, authority. Time, looking at time, time, time. <clears throat> My next slide is, <clears throat> so you want to see things change. I love you guys. I love Facebook. I love it. I'm on it. It makes me chuckle. There's a lot of politics going around at the moment, a lot of anger. You want to see things change. You want, <clears throat> we've got problems with leaders. By the way, any leader's going to mess up. Just, just, they will. You, want, you, you hate sickness. You hate inequality. You want to do something about it. I need a drink. You want to do something about it, then pray. Because that's where we come from. That that position of authority. That that's how we're going to change it. We've got a prayer room in there. It's, not, it's nothing special, I know that. It's just a space, just a few square foot. But the idea is you can go in there. Uh, hopefully many of you have seen it now. It's got a, a, a map of the world. It's got a map of the Peak District. It, it's, it's just a place to allow you to focus. I, as I said to you last time, I can be at home and you start praying and the first thing you notice are the cobwebs and they need to tidy. You need to hoover them. <laughs> Sorry, Carly. <laughs> you couldn't call that. I do. <clears throat> Uh, Andre gave me uh, details on a chap called Daniel Nash. I've never heard of him. I'm guessing that none of you have ever heard of him. Daniel Nash uh, lived a few years ago. And um, I even put a few details of him. He saw revival twice. You'll see revival twice. You've seen it. You'll see it again. He saw revival twice. He was a prayer. That's why you've never heard of him. Time. I remember doing O-level history. Remember O-level history, and then we talked about the French Revolution, and and the UK was ripe for revolution at the same time. There was there was drunkenness. There was the the government was corrupt. Every reason for the UK to to go into revolution, but revival broke out. Because of a few praying people. Now, Daniel Nash was in the States. He was with uh, Charles Finney. And Charles Finney, 
He, he says here, he never counted on, this is about himself, he never counted on his theology, messages, preaching style, logic, or methods to save soul. He looked rather to mighty prayer and the resulting work of the Holy Spirit. So frankly, if you're a good preacher, it doesn't matter. If you're a bad preacher, it doesn't really matter. I'll put myself in the second category there. But what matters is the prayer. And, and this was an amazing... I love statistics. I'm, an, I'm a, an economist, a financial advisor. But the second one, 80%. He was back. Charles Finney was backed by Daniel Nash, who would go into a, a town, and he would pray for three days beforehand. Now, that's going to make you feel rubbish, that he would go in and he would pray for three days. But I'm, what I'm trying to get across is prayer does change things. Charles Finney reckoned that 80% of his converts stood the test of time, was the phrase that, that is used there. D.L. Moody, a later evangelist, reckoned that 50% of his converts stood the te- test of time. Today, looking at someone else, another evangelist, lots of money, lots of resources, they reckon it's good if 20% of the converts stood the test of time. Prayer will change things. Prayer will change our nation. We are the government. Love that phrase. Next one. But it's easy to think this is a boardroom. We're at the top. It's the boardroom. I just want to say it's not. uh, We're not about wielding authority. God is not trying to be the managing director. He is wanting relationship. And this is where my problem came. is what I began to look at, at what it is with authority, but without relationship, without intimacy. You, if, you, if you don't have that intimacy, you start calling down fire from heaven to destroy your, your town. You, you start, uh, you do things without compassion. And um, one of the verses I just know is right if in the prayer room. The next one, please is um, where it says, One thing I've asked that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his, his temple. That is the second part, is, is gazing, getting to know the Father, getting to know his love for you and, and, and falling in love with him, falling in love with, with God. Uh, if you do not have love, I quoted it earlier on, if you do not have love, you're just a resounding gong. You can get into a prayer room and you can pray, 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 but if you don't have love, it's just a noise. Today is Father's Day. Did you know that? It's Father's Day. It's a few cute, Matt, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. A few photos. I love my kids. I love being with my kids. You like that one, don't you, Lucy? I, I, I absolutely love it. I love being with them. I love having fun with them. I love caring for them. I love holding them. I, they don't like it so much now, but they used to. And um, I love being able to support them, whether emotionally or financially. You know, we, we have a father. We have a father God who, who wants to... He has... All the resources, all the resources. And you think he doesn't want to give? He gave his only son. And we say that, probably say that every week. He gave his only son. If you think that he would not withhold resources from us, then, then you're com- completely wrong. 
He is a good, good father. I wrote this down. Uh, And we are accepted. And he delights in me. Thank you, Justin, for that. But he he does. He he delights in me. He delights in you. This is what I'm trying to perhaps get across. The father delights. And the last slide. Here's my dad. This is World War Two. My dad was in the Navy in World War Two. And um, it's important to get the father's heart. Uh, and with the father, when I began to think about it, you get his values. When you spend time with the father the father you get his values you you begin to understand the things he cares for the things he loves you get his character you get the the, the uh, love and and peace you get all the, all the fruits of the spirit and you find about his joy in me and that again when when you get his joy in me his joy in you it really helps helps to pray that so, Justin said about how we are going to get caught up in his plans, his purposes, carrying the spirit of God. For me, I'm, I'm coming to an end now, but, but for me, it's this combination, authority. You need to remember that. You need to remember when you pray, it carries authority. You've got the badge. You've been delegated authority and then put that with the intimacy. That authority gets used for the things that his heart is for. You begin to pray for your neighborhood. You begin to pray for, your, for the schools. You begin to pray for people out here who are dying. You begin to pray for your nation and for your politicians. Whether you like them or not, you get to pray for them. And as, we, as I said about a change in um, so many revivals have changed the climate of a nation and we need to do that and, you, and it's okay to pray for revival it's okay to have these these big prayers so you're on the 41st floor you don't need to escape from there that is your place that is your position get praying I've had um, years of that process at home. But it's been a really significant process. And, and I'd written a few... We really have run out of time. The kids are waiting at all. But I just um, wanted just to say that what you hear might not be what I've been hearing. For me, I've been hearing um, the position of authority. And I've understood that. But what I'm now realising is Chris's next next bit is understanding deeper the intimacy with God and praying from that position and um and Chris and Justin are going to Bethel Church this week they're going on a conference they're going tomorrow at quarter to five in the morning and they're there for the conference which is Wednesday Thursday Friday and I I really think that's significant timing for Chris um but before we I'm going to invite at the end because it will be the end if you want to pray with them before they go i think you can send them but i would think also ask for something back Uh, i know chris is taking a list of people's names with him he doesn't know why but he's taking them anyway so if you want him to write your name down for the whatever reason he doesn't know to take then do that just send them and expect something back when we got married um we were at the wedding reception we got married in 1994 and our pastor went missing who just married us in the meal. And my um, friend had just been to Toronto. 
and he'd gone to the conference there, had come back and nabbed our pastor, who we didn't know, and they, and they were found under a bush in the gardens at the reception, completely just overwhelmed by God. Something had been transferred, and then revival, you know, in the way that we saw in 94, broke out in our village church. So if you want anything of Bethel, then I suggest you don't let Chris and Justin go today without praying with them. But we're going to finish now, but we're just going to close our eyes because I think it's really important that rather than just rush off, I just pray for you and ask God to reveal himself. Father, we, we've heard what Chris had to say. And I pray, Lord, that over each one now you would apply something, something new in understanding about our authority as we pray, but our place of intimacy as we do it too. Whatever each one needs to hear, it will be heard. However each one's heart needs to change, I pray you'd start the process today. And Lord, if anything that has been said has just struck home and there's a big yes and amen and I get that, I pray, Lord, just more and more and more understanding and blessing. The kids are coming back now, Father. I just pray for a great day, a great day for dads and kids where... Just more more understanding of the heart of God towards us and towards them. In Jesus' name, amen.